0: Welcome back to New Rockstars. This is the big question. In the show that gives you too much information about how many Jedi younglings had to die so that the cutest one of them could live on to generate billions for the Disney Corporation. I'm Eric Voss, and talking dead Jedi with me today is Offscreen producer Zach Huddleston, and I might be wrong, but I think this is your birthday, Yay! or the day before, one of the two.
1: This, uh, this is my birthday, that is uh, your completely Happy
0: birthday! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and <laughs> hey,
1: you got just what I wanted, and that's some really in-depth Star Wars talk, that was the present (laughs) happy
0: birthday mother so glad we get to celebrate with you today by working
1: (laughs) (laughs) thanks eric and speaking of work i'd be remiss if i didn't make you do a little bit right now i'm gonna ask you today's big question
0: hit me with it
1: who saved grogu from the jedi temple during order 66
0: ah yes this big question i believe the mandalorian season finale is coming up this friday if you're watching it after that and they answer it just pretend like we are right, I don't know. Or maybe they didn't answer it. Hey, it's the big question from this whole season of The Mandalorian. Remind you guys chapter 13, we learned from Ahsoka Tano that Grogu, uh, that is his name. It's false. No way. Was raised in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Many masters trained him, she said. And as Order 66 went out, someone saved Grogu from the Jedi Temple and took him into hiding. Now, we've started to dig into this question in other videos on the channel, but it really deserves its own in-depth deep dive because there are a lot of options to consider so i think i'd start zach with playing a bit of a guess who um, does he wear glasses people in star wars apparently wear glasses i think we just learned that dr pershing might be one of the first star wars characters on screen to wear glasses oh, right. a whole underrepresented group of people that star wars has been neglecting four eyes is, there's been more literal four eyes on star wars <laughs> than figurative ones no!
1: Only in the pod racer community is eye protection really valued.
0: But good on them for actually wearing their goggles because those steampunkers just use them for decorative reasons.
1: Say goodbye, Ratatouille.
0: Okay, so the first thing that we're gonna eliminate some options are whoever this mystery savior was must have been. Alive during Order 66 A da doi But we have to mention it No Luke Skywalker's No Qui-Gon's in there Okay Second one that you can Flip your tiles down For Zach Is the savior Must have been A Jedi Master Not just any Jedi Because Ahsoka said That Grogu was trained At the Jedi Temple But she did not Know that information Until she communed With the child Which is worth noting Because Grogu is Anakin's age Only five years older Than Ahsoka Making her and the Child contemporaries She would have been At least aware Of this kid at the temple so that means that while grogu was at the temple he must have been secretly hidden somewhere with only a few jedi masters knowing about his very existence
1: wow so there were levels to the temple so to speak and there's maybe a secret uh-huh. more hardcore level
0: the final level you find out that xenu created all yes yeah, yeah
1: well yeah. then the level above yeah. that you have to fight yourself right like that's
0: how it works yeah. <laughs> that's, that's 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 right and then uh risk your life every two years to be in a Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Also, the third thing that we can eliminate, this Jedi Master must have been obviously in or near the Jedi Temple at the time of Order 66. Just because the Jedi were caught completely off guard by surprise by Order 66, anyone not within that vicinity would have really had very little slash no time to rush to wherever Grogu was in the Temple to save him in escape. They are a bunch of idiots who allowed themselves to be scattered all over the galaxy and not protect their crucial home flag. and lastly, this I think, Zach, you and I will enjoy as the fourth and most critical reason why we're able to narrow things down. Really this is a special ingredient of New Rockstar's theory making. The fact that we are also screenwriters working in the film industry with lots of experience with this stuff. These movies and shows tend to navigate certain known formulas and tropes and just because something is canonically possible according to nerds commenting in Reddit doesn't mean it is cinematically plausible. At the end of the day, the Walt Disney Corporation is a business. They want to make money and reach certain creative goals. So which reveal delivers the greatest fan service and sets up the Star Wars universe and their overall creative goals?
1: It's not pleasing or cinematically or thematically fun. Just have it be a dude named Doug. (laughs) <laughs> right? Yeah, who no, we've never seen good. before and we'll never see again, right? Yeah, I got the kid.
0: And then the credits roll and that's it. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they want to try to like make us happy but not make us too pissed off. And they want it to open doors, not close them. Applying all those guess whos, we got nine faces left up on our guess who board. So I'm going to rank these nine from what I think to be the least likely to the most likely. So we'll start at number nine. Who was in the Jedi Temple at the time of Order sixty? Anakin Skywalker. At this point, his name was Vader. He was the first in the temple. He knew what he was about to do. He led the 501st to massacre the Jedi, even the younglings. Pfft. Ah, shit! No! <laughs> God damn it! Ouch, <laughs> ouch, ouch! Yeah, we remember that scene. And the reason I bring him up is yes, he was there. He might have even found the kid. But, Zach, the fact that Anakin himself slaughtered those kids makes it unlikely that he would come across one that looks like Master Yoda and be like, eh
1: keep this one yeah it's the old bad joke you're dead you're dead you're dead you're cool <laughs> you're dead you're
0: yeah. dead <laughs> you yeah, wouldn't do yeah. that definitely not furthermore it's unlikely Anakin even knew grogu existed because remember the jedi council deliberately refused to make Anakin a jedi master despite palpatine's trying to go around them and let anakin sit in on the council meetings uh, mace windu was like yeah 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 you're still not one of us so shut up <laughs> take a seat young skywalker It was uh, only masters, it seems like, who knew about Grogu, according to Ahsoka. Anakin would not have known. And I actually think it might be true that Grogu might have been the big reason why Anakin was not allowed on the council Uh, as a master, maybe out of fear that Anakin's and Grogu's matching birth years made them a dyad and that freaked out Mace Windu. Can you just briefly
1: explain or remind us what what the dyad means (laughs) in this context, Eric?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of an extension of the rule of two from the sith right this is something that came known to us in the rise of skywalker ray and kylo ren were revealed to be part of a dyad they're basically two uh beings force sensitive that are linked in the force and that the force is always going to bring them back together and they are more powerful together have to actually be born the same year, Kylo Ren and Rey were not born the same year, but just kind of like at their existence, uh, some point in their lives, the Force decides "Mm, these two are going to be linked. I'd
1: rather not do this now. Yeah, me too. Kind of Force soulmates if you will.
0: And as uh, Force soulmates, they have unique abilities. Like, they have the ability to force heal. Most mm-hmm. other Jedi do not have the ability to force heal, which has brought up uh, in a lot of people's minds the fact that Grogu can force heal, that he might be part of a dyad by extension. Uh-huh. All right, so Anakin, not very likely. Possible, just not likely. Another option, who I might think might be a bit more likely, but still not so, Palpatine, the Chancellor about to be the Emperor. So, uh, Palpatine was also in the Jedi Temple after Anakin's massacre. They saw that on the uh, security video, right? He's like, well done my boy. Now on to everyone else in the Clone Wars. But uh, he was not a Jedi Master. We know that he did not have full access to everything the Jedi were thinking because he needed Anakin to spy on the Council for him. Maybe he was just using Anakin. That was just a point to move Anakin closer to him. I don't think he fully knew everything the Jedi Council was planning and doing. Otherwise, he would have destroyed them way earlier. So, therefore I think he was also unaware of Grogu's existence. Now, he was a super powerful Sith Lord. He might have sensed Grogu's presence and but spy- applying just common sense to this, think about it. If Palpatine were able to get his hands on Grogu, then we would not have had all this drama over Imperial forces trying to get him now. Palpatine's cloning scientists would have drained that kid of everything and then killed him, and then, you know, they probably would have had a huge advantage in the Galactic Civil War.
1: And Moff Gideon would be off running some bureaucracy. He'd be running a kinko somewhere. (laughs) Definitely. He reeks of middle (laughs) management to me.
0: He'd be using the (laughs) Darksaber to to (laughs) slice, uh, you know, uh, papers. That's what they do at Kinko's. Uh, that's what that's what the only reason I go to Kinko's. I'm like, I need a slicer. And they're like, are you gonna do anything else here? I'm like, I'll buy those Swedish fish. <laughs> oh, they got the best Swedish fish at Kinko's. They did, they do. It's the <laughs> one place you can for sure always find some Swedish fish is at a Kinko's. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a much more likely option that has come up. And I love that this Jedi keeps coming back up. Number seven, Jocasta New. So you remember Jocasta Nu. She was the elderly librarian of the Jedi Temple archives, the one who sassed Obi-Wan back in Attack of the Clones. Even-
1: oh does not appear in our records. It does not exist. Ooh,
0: frosty, frosty. <laughs> uh, now, she did held the rank of master which is interesting. So she might have been in the know. And a lot of people are saying because she's an elderly woman, she might be uh, like a good caretaker of a child. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not, I don't go for that line of thinking. She's just a Jedi master who was there at the time.
1: Well, and again, why would she be a good caretaker of that child and not all the other children that got killed, right? I guess right. maybe he's a more valuable child?
0: This one's at the top of your <laughs> list. And then uh, George Lucas's son, Jedi, who talked to her in the library that day, sees that list. He's like, why am I not on the list? And she's like, no reason. <laughs> now, (laughs) Now a lot of people shoot down Jocasta Nu because Anakin uh, killed Jocasta Nu during Order 66. So uh, Jocasta might have had some time to hide Grogu somewhere else, maybe entrust his care to someone else, Doug. Um, (laughs) But she herself did not escape the temple to be able to look after Grogu for years to come.
1: There's some potential for like a Cal El put him in the escape pod and shoot him off kind of a thing, right?
0: (laughs) Possible, possible. And we know Yoda did have one of those little pods that just seemed that species size. That's how he got away from Kashyyyk. So maybe in one of those, and then someone else picked him up on the other side, and the uh, people at Kinko's are like, okay, cool, we'll take care of this. Hey, are you just using the slicer? <laughs> the reason why Jocasta is not higher on this list, Zach, is that her case is also hurt by the fact that Luke later found her personal archives, and as far as we know, there was no mention of Grogu in those records. Now, maybe there was. Maybe we'll find out in uh, an upcoming episode of The Mandalorian, or some spinoff, or something like that, some way that Luke's timeline across cross With Grogu's, but as of right now, Jocasta does not have a role in that. So I'm going to move on to another a quick option that I kind of lump in with Jocasta, but she's more of a question mark. Is Seer Junda? Seer is a Jedi that Cal Kestis crosses paths with in Jedi Fallen Order. Now, during Order 66, Seer said that she tried to help some younglings escape, which seems like oh, maybe one of those younglings was Grogu. Now, it is not clear that she was on Coruscant at the time. Actually, her surroundings in that flashback cutscene looked kind of like older ruins. And she was not the rank of Jedi Master. So I kind of lump her roughly in the same boat as Jocasta. Possible, not likely. Next up, Zach is a long shot, our man, maul love this so uh here's the deal with maul he's alive obviously clone wars season seven showed his escape from the clone troopers from ahsoka's group she let him escape and this was minutes after order 66 went out and he knew what was happening it might make sense for him to go check out things uh at the jedi temple on coruscant maybe surveyed that massacre after vader and Sidious left there's a lot there in the jedi temple archives that would be very valuable to Maul. He could have gone there that night after Anakin was gone and then maybe discovered Grogu before Yoda and Obi-Wan arrived the next morning.
1: I love this too because, again, you talked about fan service. We know Dave Filoni's a big fan of Maul, right? Put him all over his animated uh,
0: shows. And he came back in solo in live action. Mm -hmm. Clearly, Lucasfilm has a future for Maul in this period of time that's after Order 66, but before we catch back up with him in the timeline in Rebels when he reconfronts Obi Wan and dies on Tatooine. So there's some story left to be told with this guy. And I just bring up Maul because he is a completely rogue actor. He is not loyal to the Empire. The Empire betrayed him. Sidious betrayed him. He would have no reason to harm or kill the child or even to pass him on to the Empire if he found them or to pass him on to the Jedi. So it would make sense why Grogu is no longer in the Jedi's hands. And Maul really is his own actor controlling his own destiny at this point. He has connections with his Crimson Dawn crime network, that could be how Grogu ended up in the hands of that Nikto gang that Grogu was in on Arvala 7 in the Mandalorian pilot.
1: Especially Maul sees this thing that's clearly a valued asset. Maybe he's in the extra padded uh, golden emerald chamber at the Jedi Temple and he's like, ah, Uh, this little guy must be worth a lot, right? He's like, oh, this is going to help me in the future. I can sell this or trade this or something, right?
0: He's running down the dorm hallway. There's one little hobbit door (laughs) where he's like, hmm, why is there no name card? on this one and then he kicks it open and uh, Grogu's in there he's like not now (laughs) he's like come on so another similar long shot option that a lot of people are considering that I would say is a bit more likely than Maul is Mace Windu Mm. now Mace Windu has been assumed to be dead because not many people could survive that fall out the Chancellor's window but we did not see a body Mace Windu might top a lot of fans lists of someone they want to see come back and with the popularity of Samuel L. Jackson and how much disney loves him to give him his fury show on disney plus we could see another mace windu series in the works now we also know that when it comes to falling down those coruscant skyscrapers with all those fifth element traffic a lot of those jedi have been able to survive those falls they just grab onto a certain taxi and they're like i'm okay now i mean mace windu still got one working arm he could have survived that and he would have been in a unique position to know what anakin and what palpatine were planning to do he would have had just enough time to make it back to rush back to the jedi temple he would have known about grogu's existence as like the number two on the jedi council but what i'll say about mace windu is it presents a sad truth about when mace windu one arm severed (laughs) into a stump limping through the jedi (laughs) temple other younglings are like Mr. Winty, what is going on? <laughs> and he's like, out of my way, kid. No, <laughs> leave me alone. Hey, he's only got one oh. arm to hold one kid. Right, he's,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's no room on the landfills, kids. <laughs> <laughs> what about this bassinet?
0: <laughs> I got one priority. Okay, we're moving on to our top three of my favorite options. Uh, number three is Yoda. Mm. So, Yoda, obviously, head of the Jedi Council, he returned to the Jedi Temple from Kashyyyk hours after the massacre with Obi-Wan, surveyed the scene, and they were seemingly undisturbed. They seemingly had like hours to just walk through that crime scene without any other clone troopers or Imperial forces being like, hey, another Jedi. You know, they had it on lockdown. Uh, No particular rush. Now, if Grogu was kept in a secret part of the temple, their little hobbit dorm door uh, that only Yoda knew about, Yoda could have recovered the child from wherever that was during this period. And it just occurred after the scene transitions away in Revenge of the Sith. Yoda, obviously the same species as Grogu and was most likely one of the Jedi masters who trained him in the temple if anybody knew it would have been yoda it would have been mace windu right but yoda being the one to save grogu zach wouldn't you say it seems a little on the nose like oh well yeah that's what i assumed that there was a connection with yoda and grogu why did you keep that a secret
1: yes it also i mean this show does seem a little overly concerned with us not calling Grogu baby Yoda, right? They right. insist on yeah, calling yeah, him yeah. the child and then they give him a real uh-huh. name, so we'll do that. Yeah, most of the world still kind of refers to him as baby Yoda. Putting him in contact with the actual Yoda seems like it would only perpetuate the baby Yoda trend,
0: right? Exactly. And I don't think they want to do that. You're, you're exactly right. So that's why I think our next option is slightly more likely. Number two, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Obi-Wan was with Yoda when they returned to the temple. They had it in a lockdown. And yeah, he was on the Jedi Council. He was a Jedi Master at this point so as one of the masters he might have been one of the masters to train Baby Yoda especially when one considers that we have a whole Kenobi series in development one that will take place between Revenge of the Sith and 19 BBY and Obi-Wan's death and 0 BBY right before the whole Battle of Yavin and this could be a great way to introduce this whole Obi-Wan series and explain Grogu's early years but I also feel a little does this help Lucasfilm because think about it would they want this Kenobi series to just be another Star Wars Disney Plus series about an adult caretaker to Grogu just set 20 years earlier.
1: Yeah, it does seem like one of the great gifts of this series is its independence. Right. Like, uh, I mean, obviously there's connections now with Boba Fett, right? Tons of connections to the original trilogy and everything, but it doesn't have to have all the tie-ins that kind of weighed down the most recent film trilogy. It does seem like they would want to build their series universe with that kind of freedom to not have to have constant overlaps, right?
0: Agreed. And that's why I think, and I'm going to get some heat for this. But I think the number one likeliest Jedi Master to have saved Baby Yoda is Yaddle. Now, hold on, hold on. Yaddle was a Jedi Master on the Jedi Council during Phantom Menace, but she mysteriously stepped down after the Naboo Crisis. She, of course, is the same species as Yoda and Grogu. And other times when I've brought up Yaddle in the past, I get a lot of these smug commenters who are like, oh, is someone going to tell this guy that Yaddle was already dead before Order 66? Uh, You clever, clever people. Class, you guys are referring to a legends story expanded universe not canon in which Yaddle yes does die sacrificing herself to save Anakin and an entire planet it's a cool story she uses her force to absorb this kind of deadly toxic gas into it's like a virus she absorbs it all into her body instead of letting it disperse into that planet's atmosphere but that story is not considered canon anymore I'm sorry it's not maybe it should be maybe they think it should be but Yaddle keeps coming back and other things that are considered canon so Yaddle reappeared in a graphic novel as as a ghostly vision that was fighting Vader. She was the last one to die in that vision. Uh, it was just in his mind. He was fighting off these, these presences, these projections of Jedi. And she was also mentioned last year in Jedi Fallen Order as having possibly survived the Purge. It honestly seems like the current team at Lucasfilm is deliberately wanting to leave Yaddle's fate a blank page so that they can write something else on it. And Yaddle, unlike Yoda, Yoda's the most famous one, Yaddle isn't a character casual fans of Star Wars really know about. But she is kind of one of these mysterious things that why did she leave the Jedi Council after uh, the Phantom Menace event? If not to look after something like Grogu.
1: Ooh, I I love this theory. It's also like the perfect move that they would make to like send everybody scrambling to the internet to be like, who is this character and why should I know that? We're like, it's a known character that's shown up before. And yet, yeah, like you said, the casual fan, not that familiar with the lore of Yaddle.
0: And again, maybe they're just going to decide that they're never going to bring her back up again. And that was the end of the story. And they're going to decide that the story was canon. But it seems like the move was that that is not considered canon. She might still be alive. That's just where things are right now. I know it's confusing in the world of canon and Star Wars what is and is not considered actually true to this world. Right now, the people currently working on it, Dave Filoni, Pablo Hidalgo, all these artists, all these genius storytellers are saying, just hold off on this one. We got something coming about Yaddle. If not, why would they bring it up in Jedi Fallen Order that came out the same week as Grogu into our world in November 2019? Why would they have this weird Yaddle mention of Jedi Fallen Order within days of us figuring out that there is a baby Yoda now.
1: Now, do you think, uh, an addendum to this, do you think we will find out anything else about the connection between Yaddle and Grogu, i.e., Could there be a familial relationship
0: there? Right. It's it's, it's something she bore. Maybe. Uh, I kind of like the idea that the Yoda species does not produce sexually, that they produce asexually. I know we're going to say if there are males and there are females, why in all of biological science do we have male and female things if they don't mate and and produce sexually? I I think it it could be something else that like, maybe there is a broad spectrum of sexuality within the Yoda species. And that they gestate asexually from some kind of weird organic process that is not necessarily like she carried him in a womb. I think based off what we know of their biology, they're most likely to be egg-based monotree mammals, you know? And there's a history
1: of like some species of amphibians that can like change gender to be able to reproduce if there's no uh, of the other partner around. So yeah, who knows? There's all kinds of potential there. Plus, I mean, do any of us want to have to answer the question? Does Yaddle (laughs)
0: already answered, my friend. (laughs) So that's where we're going to leave it for right now. If, and I know it's a big if, if Yaddle is still alive, she is absolutely the most likely option to have saved Grogu. Absolutely. But I know it's an if. And in fact, I think Grogu could be a good answer to why she retired from the Jedi Council. But if Yaddle did die, and she is not at all going to be tied in with the story of Grogu, then number two, I think Obi-Wan is the likeliest savior for this character. So that's where we'll leave it for now. We are going to answer a bite-sized question, but first, you want to thank some friends who helped us make this episode, starting with our friends at Coors Light. These days, everything is go, 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 hustle and bustle, and it's kind of a lot. You need a moment to turn off for a little bit. That's where our sponsor, Coors Light, comes in handy. When I need to really just turn off and let the day float, away. I put on a classic sitcom. I grab a bowl of something tasty and a nice Coors Light. Nothing eases a tired mind like some Julie Louis-Dreyfus and a cold lager beverage. They've got some great new packaging hitting the shelves. The new design features clear skies that invite you to sit back, unwind, drink it all in. And the iconic Coors Light mountains still turn blue when your beer is as cold as the Rockies. Brand new look, same ice cold refreshment. That is why Coors Light is the one I choose when I need a moment to chill. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can have Coors Light delivered by going to get.coorslight.com and finding local delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We also want to thank our friends at Purple Mattress for sponsoring this video. Sure, most mattresses look the same with sheets on them. Same goes for pillows, but peel away the exterior, and you'll see they aren't all created equal. Those insides are what makes every purple pillow and mattress unlike anything you've ever slept on. They have this cutting edge technology called the purple grid. It's a pattern comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep cycle. Then they have all of these air channels designed to neutralize body heat and keep you cool. The same tech in their mattresses is also in Purple pillows. They're engineered for head and neck support and airflow, and I can attest to that since I've got a Purple Harmony pillow myself. It's super soft and oh, so nice for my sleepy little head. It's not a little head, it's a big head. It keeps me sleeping like a cool and comfortable baby. You can try every Purple product risk-free with free shipping and returns, and Purple has financing available as low as 0% APR for qualified customers. Experience the Purple grid and you will sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash bigquestion10. And use the promo code BIGQUESTION10 for a limited time. You will get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash BIGQUESTION10. Promo code BIGQUESTION10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Terms apply. Okay, now comes the time for a bite-sized question that Zach and I are going to chew up for you. And then spit into your mouth like you're a baby bird. (laughs) our question week comes from our friend uh, Mezo JD on Discord asking, now this is a familiar question that has come up before. If Thanos wanted to kill half of the universe because of resources not being enough, why didn't Thanos just use the Infinity Stones to make sure there would be more and enough resources, space, etc.?
1: What was the reason? What was the reason? A reason. Was the reason? It's a great question, not only for philosophical purposes, but because this has been answered by the filmmakers, at least to some degree. Mm-hmm. This chemo- up in the Filmmaker Commentary on the Infinity War Blu-ray, during the scene in which Thanos explains his history and motives Doctor Strange on Titan. Actually, Eric, do you mind if you and I just kind of dramatically reenact the um, Filmmaker Commentary? Oh, of course. you be um, both Russo brothers. And, and okay. if you could do slightly distinct accents for each of oh, them, for would, sure. I think that yeah, would yeah. help the viewer a lot. And then I'm uh-huh. just going to be Stephen yeah. McFeely.
0: Yeah, Christopher Marcus was there, but he didn't weigh in on this. Yeah,
1: one. he was um, pouring everybody coffee. We all know he's the yeah. he's the lowest on the totem pole and that before
0: <laughs> <laughs> no no, no. Anthony, we'll, we'll talk about that okay so Anthony Russo says uh, people have asked us uh, why Thanos didn't just use the stones to double the resources in the universe and uh clearly he is not interested
1: and then Stephen McFeely counters, no
0: it's about free
1: will, okay? That doesn't solve the problem. We're just going to get there millions of years from now. This is an opportunity for people to get it right. He trusts them, you
0: know? And then Joe Russo comes in and says, Oh, well, he, he was told no to an idea that. He had that he felt was uh, the only solution and then was uh, proved right to himself when that solution was not acted upon. So his messianic complex, he is now committed to following through on the idea that he had many, many years ago. He is not a stable, although he appears stable at times, he is not a stable individual. I mean,
1: this is like you just pulled off uh, Mark Ruffalo in that HBO miniseries level, (laughs) you know, like you're playing two brothers, one actor, two brothers. I mean, or the Winklevoss. uh, Yeah, you just did a Winklevoss in the social network.
0: A wink of a Winklevoss. (laughs) All the love in the world to these Russo brothers. Don't get me wrong, but they are some of the wealthiest and most elite, most powerful filmmakers in the industry. I think they can take this... (laughs)
1: And we're not calling them dumb. We're just m- slightly making fun of their speech patterns, which is fine. Um, okay, but not not how they said it, but what was said there, right? What does this mean? Uh-huh. So you, you can kind of hear the Russos chuck it up to Thanos basically being a homicidal maniac with a God complex, right? Who was kind of aggrieved because he was ignored for years and years. And now the universe needs a drastic move to be shaken out of its pattern of overpopulation and overconsumption, right? He's an eco-terrorist, basically, in their eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And terrorist plans aren't logical. Right, it's not about math. They're, it's about drama. It's it's big
0: actions, yeah. right? Getting the headlines, yeah. Mad scientist goes berserk, and we don't have pictures.
1: Yes, right. It's a, it's impact over logic. But mm-hmm. Stephen McFeely in there, right? Who? Wait, if you listen to a lot of these commentaries, he's often like sounds like the smartest guy in the room when it comes to like yeah. character motivation. Uh, He's really sharp, but he's clearly put a lot of thought into this. And he makes an interesting comment. He says that for Thanos, this is an opportunity for people to get it right and that he trusts them, which is Mm. so interesting, right? That's not eco-terrorism. He's saying Thanos sees there's a lesson to be learned that he Mm. wants to impart on Mm -hmm. all of living life or whatever, right? I really like that because like McFeely acknowledges the logical problem of simply doubling space or resources available to the universe. Because yeah, like living beings would just eventually consume it all. It's like, you know, if you ever get an afternoon off and so you just kind of like slack on your work. Like, you know, you will find a way to expand whatever you have to do to fill as much time as you have to do it. Yeah, exactly. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all amorphous gases that are yeah. just filling to occupy the space of our container. It's the same
1: as yeah. if you had twice as much food or twice as much oxygen or, or potable water. Bloody! And like the solution of, you know, Thanos has magical rocks that can let him do whatever he wants. So like, why didn't he just, you know, ask the genie to grant him N plus one resources for every living <laughs> being forever? too convenient, even in a movie where magic rocks let you kill half of all yeah. living life, right? And it's not... That's not cinematic or fun in any way. It's kind of a right, boring Right, yeah. I guess uh,
0: you could say the rule is you get a one-time shot. It's not like an ongoing application of things on the world, yes. you know? It's one blast of radiation that can do one thing at one time. No substitutions. exchanges, are really fun.
1: The actual act of the snap isn't a natural force, right? This crazy, like, cosmic magic almost that wipes everything out. But before and after it, like, the universe behaves under, like, its normal laws, right? And that would be altering the laws of the universe to, like, be weirdly perpetuating resources or something Uh like that. So anyways, McFeely suggests that Thanos wants the universe to be so traumatized, right, so scarred, by the tragedy of the snap, that then on the other side of it, they're so educated by the benefit mm. of a less populated worlds, that they might better control their own population growth going forward, right? He wants yeah. to create a universe full of Thanos thinkers. Yeah about a god complex, right? He not only wants right. like everybody to be punished because of him, but he wants them to become more like him, right? He wants to rebuild yeah. the universe in his own image, and That's I mean, right. yes. and he's giving them free will, which, if you're a you know a fan of the Judeo-Christian God, is a big core tenet of his uh, beliefs, right? right? Judeo-Christian God allows us to make our own mistakes and to exert free will, right? He doesn't control right. everything right. we do. Smite me, almighty Smiter! Speaking of this kind of Thanos thinkers. We kind of saw the effects of that in Endgame, right? Cap acknowledged the bright side of the blip, right? Oh, there's whales back in the Hudson, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, to be honest, Tony and Pepper look like they're living their best life. Off in the farm? I mean, you could argue they might be happier than when pre-Blip, they were, you know, industrialists in the city.
0: Yeah, isn't it interesting that both Tony and Thanos became farmers in these years after the Blip? That's how they decided to live their retirement years. It's almost like growing and cooking your own food (laughs) is, like, the best way to reduce your carbon footprint and be self-sustaining. Except
1: uh, nobody in North America would have bananas. Think about that. No mangoes, no pineapples. Okay, Um, You're
0: just making your your free (laughs) trade Uh, I, I'm really your... pissed
1: I wasn't in the What Was Thanos cooking <laughs> episode of the
0: show. i <laughs> would we'll um, love to do more cooking episodes. We'll please.
1: Uh, let, let's get in. Let's let's do some butterbeer recipes, whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, um, that's just to say, right, in, in the little snippet of life we got in Endgame, post-Blip, we saw that, like, society was moving on. They were adapting. They were learning to live in this half-of-existence world. So it's like they almost did kind of learn the lesson in response responsibility that Thanos wanted them to learn, which is fascinating, Mm. right? If it wasn't for these pesky kids, these damn Avengers, right, (laughs) undoing his thing, Thanos might've been right. And I'd have done it too, if you kids hadn't come along. I just want to sum it up with like, Thanos' thinking is is a little bit like, give a man twice as many fish, he'll eat too many fish. But (laughs) teach half as many men how to fish, they'll appreciate how quiet it is on the water. I love that,
0: Zach. That is brilliant. That is so true, though. That's exactly how it is. Us fatties will gobble up all those fish until there's no fish left. <laughs> one,
1: one could argue, just to throw in another like real world parallel here. I think we've talked about this before, but like agricultural science has advanced by leaps and bounds, especially in the last hundred years, right? We now, uh-huh. as a globe, right, produce way more food, logarithmically more food per acre, per country, everything than we did a hundred years ago, right? And that's why mm. this like you know mouth. Of was the guy that preached that you know the world was going to be overpopulated right. and Malthusian economics is like mm-hmm, eventually mm-hmm. we're all going to starve because there'll be more people than we can feed please sir i want some more most of his beliefs have been roundly kind of defeated because like he didn't mm. anticipate how much more efficient agriculture would get. Now, maybe that's also led to like food is cheap now, we underappreciate it, maybe we produce too much of it, maybe we eat too much of it. You know, th- there's uh, all kinds of tendrils of arguments that, that branch off of yeah. that. But um yeah, Thanos did nothing wrong.
0: I did also <laughs> like that we got to the bottom of this quartet of filmmakers who are basically the brain trust of Marvel phase three, the M&M, and R&R you know because yeah if you do listen carefully you can tell that of the two filmmakers Joe Russo is really the one who's calling the shots and obviously Anthony Russo plays a role too and probably helps his brother think through his thoughts all writing partners and, and creative partners have an inner kind of workings that is essential to them but then uh, Marcus and McFeely are fascinating because I think McFeely is the guy who like clearly understands character motivation and through lines like he understands uh, Cap's thematic journey from that First film through Endgame, whereas Marcus seems like the guy who understands like the comics mythology and how that applies to it.
1: And clearly, all four of these guys and the way they work together is why these films are so great and multifaceted. And they've got the great set yeah. pieces and they've got the great characters, right? And the story arcs and the like. They've got everything because those four guys are bringing so many things. And then who knows what kind of magical fairy dust Kevin Feige and, and the other head honchos at Marvel are also sprinkling right, on top right. of it. Right?
0: Uh, that, that fairy dust is just time travel. Uh, <laughs> Feige like make time travel work in <laughs> Avengers 4 and they're like god Damn it. I don't want to do that, but all right. And they did a pretty good job. They did a pretty good job. Good job to them. They deserve every penny that they're paid for all their projects. Those guys had a tall order and figured it out. All right, Zach, we have time for one final box of scraps question. So our question this week, sticking on this idea of who saved who there, have you ever saved someone or have you ever been saved by someone?
1: Ooh, do you have a good answer for this, Eric?
0: I don't. I'm hoping you go first.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, maybe I've lived a term life. I don't think I've ever been in incredible mortal danger, nor have I lived a super heroic life where I've been (laughs) snatching people from the the jaws of death. But I will say a moment that stands out to me, you and I both grew up in North Florida. You a little Uh bit more um, metropolitan North Florida, the Jacksonville area. Jacksonville, yeah. Yeah, I was a little, I was in a rural area, Columbia County, like City, Florida, what's up, Uh, right on the Georgia border. And like a lot Uh of my town, you know, my friends or like sometimes my jobs would be kind of spread out. So there's a lot of like, country road driving, right? Where it's like uh-huh. the forest goes right up to the side of the road. There's kind of trees right there. There's not a lot of median or anything. There Maybe there's a ditch because it's Florida and a uh-huh. two or four lane highway where you go pretty fast because there's no traffic. And I have a very distinct mm. memory. This is around uh, 1999. I've just re- recently started driving. My first job was as a paper delivery guy, like uh, office paper, like the big boxes of, of office like copy paper. And I'm driving... Mm to uh, the town next to mine, Live Oak. And, um, you know, just middle of the day, again, mostly open country road. I'm, I'm hauling ass in my 1997 Nissan Hardbody. Whoa, boy, that little, that little truck All could right. get it, okay? <laughs> Probably got some Beastie Boys banging, you know, feeling good yeah. about myself. Ball at the bottom. <laughs>
0: Did you just make a kid rock noise? I did make a kid rock. Well, I was, I'm thinking sabotage. Yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, but like about what's about in my yeah, head. Missed, be this is me.
1: pre-podcast. If they jump forward 15 years, there would definitely be a This American Life blasting on the radio. But at the time, it was probably <laughs> Beastie Boys or Range Against the Machine or something like that. Uh-huh. And so I'm, I'm cruising, probably speeding. And, and again, like the forest comes pretty close to the road out of the trees just ahead of me comes like a gigantic deer, like big mm. rack of horns. Like, you know, they count mm-hmm. deer by like the number of points on their horns. Cause like the, the more points, the bigger and the older the deer is. No, and yeah, this yeah. was at least like a 10 or 12 point. This was a huge Ooh, deer, a right? And like, yeah. they are, you know, their head and their rack of horns, is probably four or five feet off the ground, right? Like a, oh, maybe man. taller than a than a human. <laughs> and this yeah. deer is coming full speed. Out of the forest, directly towards the road in front of me, and like you know, this is this is in a moment, a snap, right? I don't even have time to like hit the brakes. This deer is going to run right in front of me, and with that giant rack of horns and this, you know, probably like four or five hundred pound animal, it's going to hit the front of my car. Maybe come crashing through my windshield. You know, people die hitting moose or like elk on country roads all the time, and and like you know, I see my life pass before my little sixteen year old eyes, uh-huh. and then right <laughs> at the edge of the road. The 10 point this giant magnificent buck pauses and I pass and then he runs out in front of the semi truck that was behind me Mm. and like and and you know I'm sure poor poor deer certainly died but the semi truck which has like a giant grill right it's not flying through the windshield this you know it hit the front of the truck I saw the truck kind of pull over you know whatever nobody was hurt no big damage but like The difference between jumping in front of me and jumping in front of that truck was like either way, that deer was probably gonna die, but it could have been life or death for me. So the only thing I've ever been saved by is some random, you know, Bambi's dad in the the late 90s, I think.
0: I love that. That is a terrifying, very Floridian story for sure. Because we've seen every horror film has featured a deer running in front of the car. And then it, you know, it's such it's, it it's a won, perfect jump died. scare. Yeah. See, I like to think I've gone through life blissfully. I assume there are all kinds of um, angels and people jumping in front of bullets to save me as I'm just kind of like, Whoo. And then, like, I'm like Olaf in that one song. Um, I am also a snowman who can't stay in the sun for too long. Um, but uh, I've already told a story either to you or Tommy or Philip where I, I, there was a girl who was fighting with her boyfriend, and I drove her to the train station and I got out of the car ready to fight this man. Um, but then I was more afraid of her and I almost stabbed her to death in my car because out of fear of her um, because I thought it was part of a scam. But no, no, no. Uh, the story I will tell this time is uh, so Zach and I went to University of Florida and on uh, game day weekends, things get crazy, especially if it's a rivalry team or it's another team in the Southeastern Conference. Usually the first big, nasty rivalry game uh, on the calendar is The Tennessee game the Florida Tennessee game Florida and Tennessee for whatever reason hate each other Zach might be able to speak more to that hatred than I can I don't know why
1: well we were both like really good teams from the 90s we would always beat Uh them and they have a really big kind of loud boisterous fan base too
0: (laughs) so So I lived in the dorm that was closest to the stadium on campus and on the Friday night before the game I was walking back probably from some improv rehearsal uh, because that's all I did was just improv rehearsals or improv shows Uh, I was out with some friends and then I walk back to my dorm and there is a uh, kid on the ground not moving face swollen barefoot it's the worst Uh, beat up i've ever seen someone he also seemed out of it might have been drunk i'm not really sure and there was some other kid who was standing over him who's just like i think he's dead and i looked at him and the kid kind of like turned his head and i'm like okay he's not dead he's not dead and i'm like we have to call the cops right and this other kid's like yeah but i was the first to find him and i'm worried they're gonna think i did it (laughs) and i'm like well i'll just call i'll just call and then we we called the police and uh they got there pretty quick but this Kid looked like he was about To die and uh He was wearing a Florida sweatshirt Looked like he was out because right Near the stadium you'll remember in Gainesville across University Avenue There's a bunch of really crappy bars There's like balls grog house yes grog house (laughs) these are places that like every uh college town has one of these where it's like oh uh, five cent beers or something (laughs) like that (laughs) we don't bother with mopping
1: or (laughs) or decorating just come in and get silly drunk yeah
0: yeah, it's aggressive, aggressively dangerous. But I'm sure this kid was at one of those, probably talked some shit to some uh, Tennessee boys who are in town, and they beat the shit out of him and left him basically for dead. Like, shoeless. Was,
1: the shoeless detail shoeless. is so, like, vivid like, and yeah. insane.
0: Now, he might have been already shoeless. This is Florida. I mean, shoes. <laughs> it,
1: it's not as big a deal to punch somebody out of their flip-flops than it is to punch somebody uh, out of their sneakers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh yeah, he did survive. The cops called me the next day just for follow-up, just to get my name and everything. <laughs> Anywho, well, that is it for this episode of Big Question. Another very happy birthday to off-screen producer oh, Zach Huddleston. Thank you, Eric.
1: Every, every birthday I get to spend uh remotely with you is is, is a is a <laughs> gift unto itself.
0: Thanks, buddy. And likewise, <laughs> likewise. Well, thank you to Zach for joining me this episode. You can follow Zach at Z Huddleston on Twitter. Uh you can follow me at EA Voss on Instagram and Twitter, follow new Rock stars on all socials send us your big questions using the hashtag big question and subscribe to this podcast feed give us a nice rating review if you don't mind of course always subscribe to new rock stars here on youtube hit that notification bell we'll see you next week uh for a very special holiday episode of big question bye everyone